Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. We're going to learn how to maximize your influence, your persuasion, your negotiation, your success, your income, your relationships. Let's talk about it. This is episode 242 as we take a deep dive and get you some new tools on persuasion, influence, emotional intelligence, negotiation, self-persuasion, because all of those things combined are 85% of your success. Hopefully everyone's doing well. Let me know at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Questions, comments, rude remarks, bad jokes, we will take them all. As I like to hear what's going on, feedback, support, all the above or things you want to hear on the show, let me know. Other housekeeping, we are on iTunes, Spotify, and Twitter. And on Twitter, our handle is Max Influence, and the rest is Maximize Your Influence. Little tired, little loopy, been doing early morning webinars to Asia. They want to focus on closing skills. Getting not a big fan of closing skills. Let me take that back. I'm a fan, but opening people up, building the trust, getting the connections, a lot more important than a good close. Now, a good closing skill here and there is good to have, but hopefully by the time you get to the close, they're already closed. You don't need to close. They're ready to go. But hey, I'm not being negative about closes. There are just so many high lactose, cheesy closes out there that it's given sales a bad name. Know your closes, but work on the opening more. So let's kick off the geeky article. And maybe this one's not geeky because it comes from Restaurant Business Online. Not even sure how I found this. This is menu writing secrets that sell. You've heard me talk about verbal packaging before, right? The crafting, the words that every word matters. And that's especially important for restaurants and verbal packagings and maximize your influence. That's one of the 12 laws of persuasion. And as you know, you can read a menu and you just start thinking, wow, that sounds good. And here are the secrets from Patricia Kobe at Restaurant Business Online. So when the first secret is reference a region with which the customers have positive associations. And her example is hand-breaded, pan-fried calamari accompanied by Napoli-style marinara sauce. So regions, that's a reference to Naples, Italy, good food, you're going to like it, right? Different reasons, you probably wouldn't say, well, I better not say, I was going to get in trouble. I was going to mention some countries where they're not famous for their food. But I'm not going to mention those because I know there are people that are listening to podcasts from those countries. Okay. So the second one is emphasize the origin of the ingredients. She talks about a charcoal grilled chicken salad with mixed seasonal greens. And she goes on to say that the tomatoes, carrots, cucumbers, and sourdough croutons all come from the Mooney Farm. Now, I'm not sure where that is. I'm sure that's famous in some states. Let me know if you know. But that adds value that is very specific there. The next one she talks about is include references to house-made ingredients. So she's talking about this Italian sandwich, sliced roasted chicken breast, spicy pepperoni, oven roasted red peppers, and mozzarella drizzled on our freshly, get that, our freshly baked bread. <laughs> Here are the secrets, now you know. 
So next time you try to describe what's for dinner for the kids or for guests, now you know how to say it. One she talks about is emphasize the composition of the dish. Grilled salmon with mashed potatoes and broccoli. She goes on to say grilled wild Pacific salmon filet accompanied by hand-whipped Idaho potatoes and oven roasted broccoli florets. So those are the secrets, verbal packaging, in persuasion, influence, and even writing menus. Every word matters. The wrong word's going to repel. The right word's going to attract. Be very careful of your words. It makes a big difference. You should be able to craft all the words of your language to make things come together, to have people want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. Next part of the show, as you know, is the blunder. But we're not going to do a blunder today. We're going to do a ninja Ninja Go. All right. I saw this one in the Middle East. We were touring a famous place. And, of course, people everywhere selling things, doing things. And you have the little kids walking around. And I was just watching this. This person was approached by this cute little girl, little kid selling items, lots of different items. And the person politely said, no, thank you. And part of it was this cute little girl and her smile and her dimples. She says, well... Welcome to our country. Can I give you this one for free? <laughs> that would be the law of reciprocity there. Gave a free gift. So it's a combination of reciprocity, looking good, having good manners, not being mean. And, of course, that causes the person to feel, well, that was nice, but to listen a little more. And eventually that person walked away and they bought a couple more items. And it was textbook. It was beautiful. Everybody won. There was no manipulation involved. Everybody won. But sometimes a free gift, reciprocity, being polite, being nice. Because a lot of those vendors at those type of places are very aggressive in your face, kind of rude. And you just get tired after a while. And she was contrasting herself to be a little different, to be a little nicer and it went a long way. So that is our ninja of the day. Also, we have a little mail. Oh, boy. Let's come to Pedro in Costa Rica, one of my favorite places. Do not like the howler monkeys, but I do love the place, the jungles and the beaches. Beautiful country. So, dear Kurt, thanks for the words of wisdom and maximize your influence. I don't go a week without listening it has helped me triple my income in the last year. All right, Pedro, good job. That's you. Go for it. One of the things I'm having a hard time dealing with is when people get angry or upset. I don't know if it's my fault or their fault or life's fault, but they start getting upset, and I don't think I'm dealing with it the right way. I recall you talking about it on an earlier episode, but can you focus on emotion, at least the motion of anger? All right, Pedro, let's talk about it. Let's go through what can you do when a prospect gets angry. Aww. Now, part of that, too, you have to realize are they getting angry at you? That changes everything because now you've wronged them. They're looking for someone to blame. They want someone to fight with. They want validation, and that needs to come from you. But let's assume most of the time it's not you. They're just angry at life or something that happened. Now, with any emotion, you have to remember there's a physiological response in the body. When someone's angry, blood is leaving the brain, fight or flight. They're not thinking straight. It depends on the level of anger, obviously. In fact, when you look at the nonverbals of anger, you might see the chin tilting up. You might see the face go red or maybe even pale. That's blood leaving the brain or all the blood leaving the brain. Grinding teeth, tapping, finger pointing, eyes widened, staring, eyebrows pulled down are all things that you can see. So you could see this happening. 
Blood's leaving the brain. People aren't thinking straight. And you have to handle this in the right way. I mean, the first thing you have to realize, you have to validate. You shouldn't say, well, you shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't be upset. (laughs) Well, they are. As parents, that's what we do to our children when they're sad. You shouldn't be sad. They're like, well, I am. Or you shouldn't be angry. (laughs) you got to validate it. It might not be real to you, but it's real to them. Just like trying to convince somebody not to be scared of flying. It's an emotion. You're trying to solve it with logic. That doesn't work out very well. And so anger is a real thing. It's a secondary emotion, meaning what people are angry about and really angry about are two different things. When couples fight over toilet seats and where they squeeze the toothpaste, uh, probably other issues. College students had a black guy. I asked him what was going on and his, got hit by his roommate because he was eating too loud. Okay, other issues. And you have to realize, too, that when you feel an emotion that's like anger, neuropeptides are released in the body. And these emotions can be addicting to people. So maybe is it addicting to them? What's going on? But there is a response in the body that you have to be aware of. You can't just go on or move on. Because anger's real. When it's real intense anger, you have to realize it takes 20 minutes for the body to reset to get people to thinking straight. So if it's real, real intense anger, you probably should take a break. You should probably reschedule. You should probably do this another time because it might not be a good time to persuade. Because on the show, we've talked about mood and how mood matters. If you're interested in that, go back to episode 81. Remember, at Influence University, you have access to the archives. That is a free part of Influence University. And of course, the advanced membership, you have access to the 52-week PhD Advanced Persuasion Program. There is my plug. Now remember, when you're in a good mood, you recall good things, why things are going to work out, why you like the person. But when that person's in a bad mood or has a negative emotion, they recall negative things, why it's not going to work out. And why they don't like you or your past failures. And so you can't just start persuading. Mood matters. Emotion matters. You've got to be in control here. And that's the first rule, especially in negotiation. Only one person mad at a time, and it shouldn't be you. You shouldn't be losing control like that. you got to check your ego at the door. You can't let people push your buttons like that and make you angry and upset. And sometimes you have to admit it's fun to get angry and yell and upset and blow off some steam, but... (laughs) Yelling at somebody and proving they're wrong is really not that persuasive. I mean, you can back someone to a corner and prove that they're wrong, but it's really not persuasive. They'll probably rarely do what you want them to do. And once you turn your back, look out. But people hold these grudges. They stay angry. And, and I don't remember who said it. Email me if you do. That being angry at somebody is like drinking poison yourself and hoping that it affects them. Because you're mad. You stay home angry. You don't talk to them anymore. And then... Eventually, you talked to him. He said, you know that time you did this and made me mad. That's why I haven't talked to you. Like, oh, really? I said that? Wow, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Two, three years of resentment and grudge and anger, and they can't even remember. I think it was Buddy Hackett that said, I don't get angry anymore because I stay home angry, and they go out dancing, and they're having a good time, and I'm home angry. So that has a lot to do with it. So be careful of this emotion. It's fun for some, addicting to others. But in the persuasion process, you have to be very, very careful. Now, there's different levels of anger. Let's talk about some solutions here. One thing you can do is change the topic. Slowly talk about other things that are more pleasant to get them back on track. That only works with minor anger, okay? And if it's not completely obvious or on their radar, that would be something. Another great skill is empathy, being empathetic. You know, wow, I'm sorry you're feeling that way, and... 
validate it. I'm sorry. Maybe you want to say, I'd be angry too if that happened to me. If it's true, that's something that you can do. And have a little empathy. You're going to have to listen a little bit. Maybe let them vent a little bit. They can talk about it. And part of that too is maybe find a common enemy. Now, be careful here. If it's like the government or another organization or a stranger you don't know, a common enemy might be good to have. But if the common enemy is your boss, or the CEO, or the other person in the room, you probably don't want to do that. But that brings empathy. That's validation. You're talking about it. Don't discount it. Remember, don't discount the anger. It is real to them. Another thing to do is... Start asking more questions, getting their opinion, get the blood back in their brain, get them more on the logical side. Ask questions that are more on the logical side. This is for minor anger to get them back on track. That can work very, very well. Maybe change the venue, just walking to the break room or going out to lunch or again, postponing as we talked about, doing something different, rescheduling for the next day. Anything you can do to just take a little time. And sometimes it doesn't take much time to get them not completely reset, but at least back on track, thinking logically. And that could be done with some type of distraction. Maybe somebody walking in. Maybe you text somebody on your cell phone, come in, help me out, save me. One that I did, I was going to this negotiation. I monitor negotiations. It's part of what I do for a living. And I got there on time, but they were already there, and they were fighting. They were going at it. A lot of anger, a lot of red faces, a lot of spittle going everywhere. <laughs> And they were on the second floor, and their stairs going up to about where they were standing. And so I walked up there, didn't even see me, didn't acknowledge me, and they were going at it. And I noticed on top of the stairs was an open box of those plastic packing peanuts. You've probably seen those before. And I just kicked the box down the stairs. It went, you know, peanuts everywhere, peanuts everywhere, peanuts everywhere. And they looked at the box, they looked at me, they looked at the peanuts. They looked at the big mess it made, they looked at me, they looked at each other. But it was just enough time for them to get a little blood back in their brain to get them back on track to realize, all right, we need to change it up. Otherwise, it would just accelerate, 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 and that could be bad news. Silence is another one. Let them keep talking, keep venting, going through it. You can nod your head. Good listening skills are awesome in this situation where you're listening with your ears, your eyes, and your heart, you just let them go and let them get it out, get it out, get it out. And that's another tool that's very helpful. But remember, if it's out of control, anger, and you're fearing for your life, or they're way out of control, get a break, leave, reschedule, run, call the police, whatever you need to do, it might not be a good situation for you. Because some people just have no control at that point, and you might not want to be around. And one of my favorites... Apology is cheap. Have you heard that before? If they're angry at you or your company, it may or may not be your fault. Maybe you said something stupid. Maybe you thought it wasn't stupid. Maybe they thought it was offensive and you thought they deserved it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at this point. You want to win the argument or win the negotiation? You see what I'm saying here? Apology's cheap. When they're going after you, they're angry upset, you're like, wow, I'm sorry. That was not my intent. I apologize. Well, don't do it again. Okay. <laughs> you move on. You move on. It can be that simple if you think about it. But sometimes our egos get involved and it's a bruise to our self-esteem and they've said something and how dare they? They can't say those things to me. Okay, whatever. Remember what I said. Check your ego at the door. Don't take it personally when they try to bruise your self-esteem. Apology is cheap. Own up to it. Even if it wasn't your intent. You can say it was not my intent. I had no idea. I apologize. Even if it was a 
You're somebody in your company that wasn't your fault. It's still your company. Own up. Yeah, we, we shouldn't have done that. That shouldn't have happened. I apologize. I'd be upset too. Accept my sincerest apologies. And that's the last one. Be sincere about it. If you're making it up, making faces, rolling your eyes, not sincere, don't care, lame apology, the teenager type apologies, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, those type apologies were like, sorry, <laughs> make things worse. But when you're sincere about it and you want to get back in control, get their brain back in the game, it makes the biggest difference. So Pedro, hopefully those tools will help you out as you go through this. Now, careful, if you're the one making them upset, that's a whole other ball game to where you've got to figure out what that is. Are you pushing too hard? Are you saying things that are offensive? Are you making them feel stupid? Are you not being a good listener? All those things can trigger anger. One we could address, and maybe you're closing too hard. You're pushing too hard. Closing, we talked a little bit about that earlier, but if you are pushing too hard and they don't trust you or you haven't connected with them, you have to have one of those two to be able to push a little hard. We don't mind when a doctor we trust pushes us too hard to help save our life, to help us get back on track. Try a little retreat. Closing's good. A little pressure's good. Your jobs help people make great decisions, help them solve their problems, because if you don't, they won't make a decision. But sometimes you can push a little too hard. And they're like, well, wait a minute. I'm not ready to make a decision today. It's like, well, you can't. I'm not going to let you make a decision today. All right? You kind of push a little hard, then retreat a little, push, and then retreat a little to get them to the point where they can actually do that. I saw this with a salesperson. They said, well, how would you take care of that? Like, whoa, whoa, I'm not ready to talk about it today. He says, well, I'm just seeing if you're qualified to do this. I have a series of questions I need to ask you to see if you're qualified. And one of them is, how are you going to take care of this? Is this something that you can afford? And all of a sudden, push a little hard, then retreat, push a little, and then retreat. So be very careful with that, especially take a look. Do they trust you? Do they like you? Are you pushing too hard? Do you need to retreat a little? Could be causes of those anger. But I'm assuming, Pedro from Costa Rica, since you listen to this show, you're a good person, and it's their anger, and not anger that's directed at you. That's our show for today. Remember, Kurt, K-U-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. If you want to get the latest edition of Maximize Your Influence, we are still promoting the free book offer. You pay a few bucks for shipping and handling, and we'll get you the book that is at that is at lawsofinfluence.com. Take a look at it. Let me know about the new studies I've included in this new edition. But again, thanks for your love, your support, your feedback, your comments, even your rude remarks. I do like to hear those. Thanks for listening. Mash these skills and go out and persuade with power. <laughs>